Thank you, Dr. Gavin. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Goblin. It is great to be back at the uh, one of the greatest and most exciting uh, universities in all of the world. This is a place where the flag is still respected. The Bible is still honored. God and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are still welcome. And not every university can say that, but Liberty University can make that declaration. What an honor. So exciting. My wife is with me this morning. Connie, right over here in this section, stand and let the people meet you. This is my wife of 36 years. We have uh, three, three wonderful children. We have uh, all of them love the Lord. All of them are grown up and all of them have left home and that's a good thing, all right? And someone said the American dream was owning your own home. I said the American dream is getting your kids out of your home. Some of you don't understand that, but someday you will. And, uh, but the thing that's turned our lives upside down are our six grandchildren, the most exciting thing. I used to think grandparents were nuts and now I'm one of the nuts. I would have complete strangers come to me and say, would you like to see a picture of my grandchildren? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and they got a bumper sticker that says, ask me about my grandchildren. So 70 miles an hour, I'm supposed to roll my window down and ask you about your grandchildren. They got all kinds of bumper stickers. You know, the one that, the one that says, my kid's an honor student. I saw one in Dallas, true story, said, my kid goes to school. Well, that's, that's pretty good. But I'm, I'm so honored to be a part of this very special day, to have all these that are representative of uh, serving today presently in the military and those who have served, and then to honor those who have given it all as uh, we paid tribute to Jesse Strong just a few moments ago. This is a great country. It's a great land, but it has not come this way without great sacrifice. There have been tremendous sacrifices made for America. And I want to go back to my father's generation. My dad is 84 years old. He's in a hospital in Barnes, hospital in St. Louis with a very serious condition. But my dad, on the day that he was taken to the train station by his mom and dad, my grandma and grandpa Lee, to go to Chicago, the Great Lakes Naval Station, to go to war. On that very day, grandma and grandpa Lee received word that their oldest son had been killed over Italy. You imagine taking your next oldest son to go to war and you've just received word that your oldest son has been killed. Tom Brokaw called him the greatest generation. Why did he call them that? Because of the sacrifices. In World War II, America had a population of 200 million, and 16 million of those wore the uniform of this country. Today, America has a population of 300 million, and 2 million of them wear the uniform of this country today. 16 million versus 2 million. World War II, a war that lasted for a little over five years for America, little less than the time that we've been in Iraq and Afghanistan, over 400,000 Americans were killed. 400,000. As of today, as mentioned by 
Dr. Godwin a moment ago, a little over 4,000 that we've lost in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I'm not minimizing the loss of one single life. I do believe that this generation that is fighting today is as great, if not greater, than the, any previous generation. These young men, too, are doing their best and doing their all. And if they have their way, they will win the war in Iraq and they will win the war in Afghanistan. But back to World War II or the Battle of Iwo Jima. And by the way, Marines, happy birthday to you. 233 years. On the Battle of Iwo Jima, a battle that lasted for 30 days, 6,800 Americans were killed, most of them United States Marines. You imagine picking up the paper tomorrow, reading that 6,800 Marines have been killed in Iraq in the past 30 days. This nation would go berserk. You see, we've lost our moral courage to fight and to win a war. It looks like we would learn from history. You see, young people, I came from the war that America lost. The Vietnam War was not even a tie. We lost the war. I just returned from Vietnam a week and a half ago. After 37 years, it was there that I gave these two legs for my country. I've never been bitter. I've never been angry. I've never been mad. I'm fortunate to be alive. But I don't want my legs to be given to my country in vain, and I don't believe that they were. When I went back to that little country, South Vietnam, I love the Vietnamese people, and, and I love their country, but now it's a communist country with very little religious freedom at all. There are some rays of hope and some glimmers of light. On Wednesday night, I was able to speak in Saigon at the Grace Baptist Church, a Southern Baptist Church that has now been sanctioned by the government. This was a miracle in itself. An American Marine who fought in South Vietnam and went there with bullets and bombs the first time, but this time I went with the Word of God, with the love of Jesus in my heart for those people. I spoke that night for about 15 minutes at Grace Baptist Church, when I was finished speaking, the translator came to me and he brought two men with him. They appeared, both of them, to be about my age. One of those men he introduced to me had fought on the South, had fought on our side in the South Vietnamese Army. The other man had fought with the Viet Cong. He was the enemy. And he had leaned over while I was speaking through a different translator. He had leaned over to that translator and told him, he was my enemy. I would have killed him. And he would have killed me. But now both of those men have been saved. And both of those men are a member of Grace Baptist Church. And we all three hugged and celebrated what God has done in our life together in that communist country. Yes, I do have that mischievous look on my face because they took us to the presidential palace and, um, and this was where, and some of you would have to go back and look at the history books, some of you would have to be old enough to have the memories, but when South Vietnam fell to the communists, they were getting as many people as they could out of there. The helicopters were hovering over the presidential palace and then the communists came. And so we went and we took a tour. Well, it was 
It was propaganda is all it was. They told about how the North Vietnamese came to liberate the South Vietnamese, but they didn't come to liberate them. They came to put them under the hammer and a sickle. And so I had listened to this, and we had a group of about 20 of us, a bunch of other veterans, and we were all getting sick of hearing this stuff. And so I'm a little bit of a rebel now, not in the same way I was then, but there was a microphone over on, the, on a table, and I went over and I tapped it. The microphone was live. And right there in the presidential palace, whom the communists now have control of, I began to sing the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> Now, I must tell you that that's the reason why Connie did not want to go to, with me to Vietnam. She was afraid I would start World War III over there. But ladies and gentlemen, young people, I've often said that America is worth fighting for. And if needs be, America is worth dying for. On March the 8th, 1971, leading my men on a minesweep, just as Jesse Strong did, I too was a combat engineer. 1371, leading my men on a minesweep that day. 1.30 in the afternoon, I stepped on a 60-pound box mine. It blew my legs off of my body. I lay there on that battlefield with my head in the lap of a black Marine, a man who loved God, a man who loved Jesus. I had been saved at a young age, but as a teenager, as was said a moment ago, I rebelled. I got away from God. There were five of us kids, and out of five kids, I was the only one that rebelled. And the primary reason, young people, that I believe that rebellion came was because I got with the wrong crowd. It's very important in your Christian life that you hang out with the right kind of people and the right kind of associations. But there with my head in his lap and all the hurt and the anger and all the commotion and the confusion, Tears were running down his face and he was openly and out loud praying and asking God to help me. And that day, I looked up. In my own simple way, I prayed a prayer like this. God, if you'll let me live and get back home to mom and dad, I'll do with my life what you want me to do. Well, I had made a lot of promises to God before, but I never meant it like I meant it that day. They came with a medevac chopper, carried me to the hospital ship, the USS Sanctuary. The second day I was on that ship, two naval doctors gave up hope. Infection had set in, run a high degree temperature, a lot of complications. They never expected me to live. I lay there for two weeks. They took me to the island of Guam. I went from 187 pounds to less than 80 pounds. Mom and Dad received visits from the Marines and the Red Cross and numerous telegrams and from all that they had been told, they never expected to see the oldest son alive again. A few years ago in Dayton, Ohio, Earl Lewis came to the, our crusade and Earl said, Tim, it looked like someone took a five-gallon bucket of red paint. He was the fifth man back on the minesweep that day. He had only been in country for a few short weeks. He said, it looked like someone took a five-gallon bucket of red paint and just poured it all over you. He said, not a one of us thought you would live. And that crusade, Earl Lewis gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and now is a faithful member of that church. Three years ago in Danville, Virginia, not far from here, 
Ray Birchie came to the Sunday morning service that I was preaching. Ray was the radio man on the minesweep that day. He had only been in Vietnam for 10 days. I was his first medevac chopper call. He said, Tim, when you stepped on the mine, I was 75 yards to the rear. He said, it blew my helmet off of my head. And he said, when we put you on that medevac chopper, not a one of us thought you would live to make it to the hospital ship. That Father's Day Sunday morning three years ago, Ray gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. But God had a plan for my life. They brought me back to the States, to the Philadelphia Naval Hospital, where I spent eight months. And those eight months spent on a ward, Ward 1A, any time, any given time, 30 to 40 Marines on that ward, every one of us were amputees from Vietnam. Some with both legs gone like myself, some with one, some with a leg and an arm, some with two legs and an arm. I've never seen so much bitterness and so much anger. And if I would have listened to all the negativity, if I listened to all the things that I was told that I would never be able to do, I wouldn't be here today. The young people, I knew I was fortunate to be alive. I stepped on a mine big enough of explosive that could have blown my body to a thousand different pieces. It could have easily destroyed a jeep. And I truly believe that God spared my life for a reason and a purpose. Hollywood has glamorized the Vietnam War and most of the time they painted in such a negative way. They made one movie called Born on the Fourth of July and full of the bitterness and the anger that the media has hyped up. I wasn't born on the 4th of July, but I was born on the 5th of July. And you're looking at a Marine this morning that's not angry and not bitter, and I'm not mad at God, and I'm not mad at my country, and I'm not mad at the communists, and I'm not mad at the Vietnamese. I'm just glad to be alive. And I thank God for sparing my life. But I, I realize this morning there's no wonder that some of those Vietnam veterans are still angry even 35, 40 years later. Let me tell you why. The World War II veterans came back to parades. They came back to celebrations of victory. I actually came back a good way. I came back a sanitary way. I came back on an on a aircraft and then, and then in an ambulance and straight to the hospital. Many of my buddies and friends didn't come back that way. They came back to airports where people were calling them baby killers. They were spitting on them. They were throwing bags of urine on them. So it's no wonder. But let me tell you something about those Vietnam veterans this morning. And if you meet one, I hope you'll take the time to tell them welcome home and tell them that you appreciate them. All they did was their duty. They did what their country asked them to do. And if it would have been left up to the soldier and the Marine in Vietnam, that war could have been won too. And South Vietnam would still be a free country today. And so, be mindful of all those who have paid sacrifices and, and great prices. Those from the Korean War, they didn't have parades either. There wasn't even a memorial in Washington, D.C. till a few short years ago to honor those 55,000 Americans who gave their life in Korea. And so now, let us never forget, let us always remember those who have paid the price. And those who have wore the uniform of this country. God spared my life. After eight months, I went home. I went forward in my father's church in southern Illinois, and I publicly made things right. 
It was in that church that I met Connie. We fell in love with each other and were soon married. And it wasn't long after that that God called me to preach. And I believe today that I have the highest call in the land. I would have to step down to do anything else. And if God has called you a preacher, that's the way you ought to look at your calling. Called you to be a preacher. I pastored for five years in southern Illinois and now I'm my 30th year as an evangelist. I've had the privilege to speak in every state with the exception of North Dakota, and I'm not sure anybody lives up there anymore. <laughs> and many foreign countries preaching God's Word. And I want to tell you today, like I've said on so many occasions, the past 37 years have absolutely been the happiest years of my life. If Tim, you're in a wheelchair. Your legs are gone. I'm in a wheelchair today. However, I'm in the will of God. And that, my friend, makes all the difference in the world. I'm so grateful that God spared my life. But I want to tell you, friend, that God has a plan for your life too. No matter where you're at and what station of life, what it is that you're planning to do, God has a plan for your life. And I challenge you this morning to be what God wants you to be. America's at a crossroads. America has basically, in the past 35 to 40 years, turned her back upon God. We've told God that we don't need him anymore. And you see, you don't ever kick God out without replacing him. We've replaced him today with another God. Not a new God, but a God of humanism. It's not old. It's not anything new. Humanism is as old as, as Cain. Cain's problem was he didn't want to do it God's way. He wanted to do it man's way. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 8 gives you a definition of humanism. They worship the work of their own fingers, that which their own hands have made. We've turned our back upon God, and now we've gone to worshiping what man can do and what man can accomplish, and America is paying the price today. America needs revival. The Democratic Party is not going to save America. The Republican Party is not going to save America. No other party is going to save America. You want to know what the hope for America is this morning? It's old-fashioned, God-sent revival. America needs revival today. And that revival begins with you and I. You realize that God could ignite such a revival fire on this mountain that could spread throughout Virginia and all over the eastern coastline and all begin to spread all throughout America just by using you. If you become determined that you want this revival in your heart and in your life, God will use you. Our hope this morning is not in government. Financially, we're in big trouble. And there's a great divide in our nation today. There doesn't have to be that divide. I'm telling you that if we turn back to God and we turn back to the Word of God, America can once again become the great nation that God intended for us to be. There is hope for America today, and Jesus Christ is that hope. This morning I challenge you. Maybe you're not wearing the uniform of our country. Maybe that's not God's call on your life either. But I challenge you to be respectful of those that are. And that you pray for those that are serving. And those that are willing to put on the uniform of this country. And then I challenge you this morning to be where God wants you to be. And to do what God wants you to do. I want you to bow your heads today. 
in a moment of silence, once again honoring those who have given it all and honoring those who are serving and those who have served. If you were fortunate enough to be born in this great country, you give God some praise and glory in your own heart right now. Realizing America is not a perfect nation, a lot of flaws and a lot of problems. I don't know any other place that I want to go live. Father, thank you for Liberty University. Thank you for the vision and the dream of Dr. Jerry Falwell so many years ago. And then to see this dream lived out right here today, November the 10th, 2008, right here on this mountain. God, you've been so good. And we love you. We pray for our nation today. Lord, we pray for our president, and then we pray for our president-elect. We ask God that you would give wisdom Lord, that these that are in authority would turn to you and trust you and ask you for wisdom to guide this great land. We pray this morning for that revival, real, genuine revival, revival in our homes, in our churches, in our schools, in our cities, in our towns, in our villages. We ask you, God, once again to bless America in Jesus' name. Right before I leave, I want to make a brief announcement. Dr. Godwin, if you'll bring me that stuff underneath the platform, then I'm going to get off of here. But I, I brought some things with me this morning that I think maybe will be a blessing and an encouragement to some of you today. And uh, I'm going to make my way around. It may take me a few moments up in section 124. And there's a couple things that some of you will find of great interest. First of all is a patriotic shirt. We've made numbers and numbers of these uh, shirts over the years. This is the best one, I think. This is the cross and the flag. And then my saying that I've said thousands of times, America's worth living for, worth fighting for, if needs be, America's worth dying for. If you're a sissy or a wuss, you cannot wear that shirt right there, all right? And uh, they're available in small all the way up to triple large, and they're available for a gift of $20. This shirt here has no spiritual redeeming value whatsoever. I've been to Alaska probably 25 or 30 times. I go up there and preach in, at Anchorage Baptist Temple uh, and uh, one, of the, one of the great churches in America. I, I've hunted in Alaska. I went through the Alaska tundra, two miles on my hands and my bottom, water up to here, some of the wildest, wickedest train in the world, shot a nearly seven-foot-tall black bear, skinned it out, and went back the same two miles. I'm in a wheelchair, but I'm not nearly as handicapped as I look. I, I've, uh, I've shot caribou. I've gone fishing up there. Well, up there in Alaska, in the middle of Alaska, is billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of barrels of oil. And they do not belong to some sheep over in the Middle East. They belong to America. It's our oil. However, we've got some nuts and fruitcakes in Hollywood. <laughs> and we got some in Washington, D.C., and I'm afraid we have, may have a few more now than we had the other day, but... <laughs> but uh, 
They, they care more about the caribou as to whether you're going to pay two or three or four dollars for a gallon of gasoline. Now this shirt is for all my redneck buddies and all my hunting buddies. Uh, and for anybody that's tired of paying high prices for gasoline, it just simply says, eat the caribou, drill for oil, all right? That's all it says. Those shirts are $20. Now, we have some 8 by 10 colored photographs. We normally sell those for $5. If you buy a shirt, you can have the photograph free of charge. The shirts are $20. The photograph will be free if you buy a shirt, all right? And I'll make my way. I'll be up there to sign the pictures if you want me to do so. I love Liberty University. I thank God for this place. And I challenge you once again to live for God, stand up for America. Some things worth living for, some things worth fighting for. If needs be, some things worth dying for. God bless you. Thank you so much.